Let's Be Legendary podcast is a member of the Nerd and Tie Podcast Network. For more podcasts ranging from true crime to nerd culture and convention news, please visit nerdandtie.com. We strive to make this podcast and story a safe and inclusive place for as many listeners as possible. So if we've missed any content warnings, please feel free to let us know. Content warnings for this episode include mature themes, depictions of genocide, and descriptions of violence. The world is a weird and wild place, but even now, there are men who seek to tame it by any means necessary. Hatred is spreading throughout the land, covering it with fear and blood. Masquerading as propaganda for safety, darkness is spreading, consuming those who do not fit with the natural order. Infecting the streets with political grandstanding, they have set their sights on the highest office. Bounty hunters with badges try and keep the promises of a dead man, but the weight of death clings to their steps. Their rage is palpable, and revenge is consuming. Two decades have passed since the gateway between this world and a world of unbridled madness was opened. The door stands open still, and the wilds are slowly seeping in, searching out the ones that freed them from their cage. This is the Feywild West. We are the nightmares they want you to fear. We are the dead man's promise. Let's be legendary. Last question, did you kill Jim Walker? Yes, I did. (laughs) Felicia immediately stands up. Your Honor, I would like to request a 30 minute recess to discuss with my clients. Granted. Court will reconvene in 30 minutes. We shall pick up with the cross-examination of Talia Gray for the prosecution. Panging of the gavel. I, I dropped the shift. so much trouble. She comes up chainless now and pretty much drags you off to a side chamber. By a year? With, Did you yeah. buy a year? You should definitely do it by a year. She's, no. Yes. No, yes. he doesn't do that. Yes, she does. <laughs> in spirit, she did. Oh, what? Yes. Uh, in, in the side chambers. What the hell? Okay, I know you're upset, but hear me out. This is not going good. Wait, am I in there? Yeah. Yeah, okay. we're, we're, we're both in here. This is not going the way I think we thought it was. So, I had an idea. Are an still, idea. Are we still chained? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I'm kind of maneuvering in my, trying to get my cows out. Yeah, an idea, and that was to tell the truth. The truth, that you killed Jim Walker. Yeah, but it was in defense, self-defense. How can we prove that you killed all the witnesses? (laughs) I was there. That does not help. That's a good point, Talia. Well, let's see, I suppose you could plead guilty, then get angry, and then I could revivify you. The amulet, Selene. 
What about them? Yes, what about them? Okay, you know, the amulets, they it, like they go, you know, make somebody light on fire, Yeah, right? we, had a, we had a big discussion about that. But that librarian that already testified that they enchanted, he didn't mention the one he told us about. There's another enchantment on them. It, something about revealing what you look like or revealing what happened at the, when you died so they could get information. We've got walkers and the other four. I, they're all in evidence, right? We had to turn them over. Yes. Okay. So give those to Ernest. Tell him about the enchantment. He should be able to find it. And that'll prove exactly that we weren't in the house. It didn't happen the way that they said it did. And I'll plead, yeah, I killed him, but it was under self-defense. Which, in the end, would still agree with the plead of not guilty. by re- Not guilty by reason of self-defense. I don't know of another way out of this. I wish we had thought of this sooner, so now I'm not scrambling to reassemble my case. Yes. Well, you don't have to say about wishes. Sorry about that. Uh, it was, I'm, I, the last minute thought. Um, sorry. If it makes you feel any better, Felicia, this is just how Talia does things. I don't think that makes anybody feel any better. It makes me feel better. Well, thank you, honey. Very well, I shall go get Ernest. You two stay here, and we'll see if I can get one of the ambulance as well. Well. Well, good job. (laughs) God, I can't believe I did that. Well done. Bravo. Thanks. Do you think it was the right decision? Yeah, I think so. What if it wasn't? Well, if it wasn't. And if it wasn't, we have a few choices, I suppose. Which are? Well, you could hang, and I could revivify you. Like I, like I have proposed. Are we on? Leave the kids. Oh no, look, it's a donut. I can't. You can't what? I don't think I could run. Why? I'm not an outlaw, Celine. You wouldn't be an outlaw when we would be running. And I don't belong there. Neither do I. Neither do the kids. Especially now, Adrian. And I can't, I can't just leave when everybody's tried so hard to help. It's like all of it was for nothing. Well, then we have to make your decisions the right one. I'm scared. (sighs) I'm shuffling my cards. It's very hard when I have my hands together, but I'm doing it because I'm just that good. Yeah, wait, give me your, give me your hands, and then I'm going to put them like this, and then, and then... Okay. Yeah, may I go? We got this, yes. Okay. 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 No, I'm going to do it again. Okay. (laughs) No, I'm just really good at this, so I can do it with my hands tied. Yes. I will say this much for you, for us, really. If we get out of this one, I think we can confidently say this is the worst scrape we've ever been in. 
12 members of the Red Tree Gang were nothing compared to 12 angry men. Right. And, and women. 12 angry jurors. Yes. See the way some of them looked at me when I shifted. But I figured it would be better for them to see rather than let it go to their imaginations. No, I agree. I definitely agree. It's like, look, it's scary, but it's... <sighs> See, six of cells. Necessary transition. Is that transition from life or <laughs> no. from being free to being in prison? So I'm taking that to mean like the immediate, like not just life, but like this trial. There's been a transition that was unforeseen, which is basically our case. And it's going to suck. It's going to, it means Felicia is scrambling and we have made, we have taken a huge risk, but. You'll be all right. I think so. That's what the cards say and they have not. <sighs> yeah. I pull out my tape measure and I wrap it around my wrist, my hand. Mm-hmm. Felicia comes back with Ernest. The bailiff comes in as well. And a tagged amulet. This is Walker's amulet. Ernest comes in. I'm I'm sorry, I'm 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 confused. What's happening? The amulets, the guy on the stand, the librarian. When we were in the Vena- when we were there, it was us. Whatever. These amulets, the guy on the stand, the the librarian. When we were in there, Amble Bramble. Yeah, that. He told us. Not only do they light someone on fire, but they record someone's death. Record how? I don't know. He didn't specify, but that's what he said. Is it records someone's death to find out what happened or something along those lines? And it can, we have all of them that we collected. We were actually bringing them to you to tell you about it before we uh, turned ourselves in. All right, let me, let me take a look. Uh, he looks at the bailiff and the bailiff nods. And I'm, this is gonna take a minute. Uh, take your time. And he takes it over to one of the table and pulls out from his robes a book and starts flipping through it and starts like feeling through his robes and find, pulls out a pouch and pulls out a small pearl. Oh, I know what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, identifying, I think. Oh, all right. I had used this before, but the way the enchantments are layered on these items, it's, it, it takes some study. But now that I know what I'm looking for, uh, sets to work with casting the spell. He doesn't really bother with the ritual casting just because that takes time, but mm-hmm. he still just takes the pearl and kind of just like holds it up to his eye and he's looking through the pearl as if it's a jeweler's lens. Right. And just looking at the item. There's the binding incineration enchantment. Gross. Oh, wait. Wait. Waiting. Um, Waiting, still waiting. He sets it aside. He reaches out and pulls out another bag and sticks his arm all the way down in it <coughs> and pulls out a book, thuds it on the table and opens it up. Didn't that come from James? Uh, yes. Uh, 
after I told him the research I had been doing, he gave me access to his secret library. They buy him a drink. Yes, here it is. Uh, I had found mention of this before and was curious as to what it meant. It's a it's a phrase, something that I just thought strange and but innocuous. Um, he holds the amulet. Reveal unto me that which killed this loyal preserver of the natural order. And there's this like flash as he holds it. And then suddenly, Jim Walker is standing in the room with you. Whoa. But upon second look, he's ah. like semi-translucent. You all right? Just B-flex. You probably reach for your gun too. Yeah, I did yeah. that. I, I like, reach down and I don't fuck. You, uh, yeah. you reach down because you have died. Yeah. yeah. And the bailiff kind of like steps back a bit and like goes for uh, his gun because <laughs> he has a gun. Yeah, uh, of course he does. And he's like, whoa, 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 no, it, it's an illusion. And he like waves his arm through it. Yeah. It's an ugly fucking illusion. It sure uh-huh. is. It looks just like and, that guy. And it shows Jim Walker as you saw him that day, uh, like the, the day previous. And then it flashes and changes to a slightly different outfit. Like, a, well, this is the same clothes, but like various pieces of uniform are missing. Mm-hmm. Then it flashes forward again to him in light clothes. Then it flashes forward to the next day. And it goes through a couple different stages until you see it, his hunting garb. That's what he was wearing. And then the next flash forward is him dead with the gunshot wound through the mouth, the torn up clothes, the bloodied hooks and sword in his hand and on his belt. That's what he looked like. Him and the four others, they all were dressed similar like that. Felicia's kind of sitting there nodding. Can this be played again? Uh, yes, I just uh, need to repeat the code phrase, and I think I can actually fast. You kind of like looking through the through the book and holding the amulet. I think I can actually um, waves his hand over the amulet, and then it like flickers back to the previous version. Oh, you can swipe. Yeah, you can swipe. <laughs> um, swipe him left and get the fuck out of here. Yeah, really. Yes, uh, it seems it records a couple different imprints up till time of death. Hmm. It seems to hold a total of one, two, three, four, uh, eight previous versions, and it records up till time of termination, so that those in the organization can get some idea of how their member died. We didn't know about that until we went into the base. We were told that by the librarian, actually, which we were going to tell you. Felicia nodding. All right. I still don't like that you went ahead on this without asking me, but... I'm sorry. But? I'm not. I can see how this will work. I'll I'll just need to cherry pick my witnesses. All right. I think we can... I think we can swing this. 
Where's Ernest? Uh, he's still in the room. If, if you'll excuse me, I need to go arrange our witnesses as as such. Of course. I am sorry. She nods. I'll get over it. Just don't do it again. Ma'am, yes. She leaves. No promises. I heard that. I guess you did. God damn it. This <laughs> is not being able to lie saying really sucks. Is that new? Ernest. Yes, it is new. Yeah, that job in Dustown. We actually had to go into the Feywilds. That's what was taking the kids. Uh, and I don't know if you can see on my wrist the burn there. He nods. That is from the iron manacles that they put on me when we turned ourselves in. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. Don't be. Is he Mary? Yeah. Okay. I like basically like I take his hands. Do not be sorry. I mean it. You've done so much for us. Just from us asking, honest. Thank you for everything you did. He nods. I'll make it up. I. I know. I know. But I. I feel like. Need don't. to do something. No, 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 don't. It's us that feel like we need to make it up to you for putting you in this position. It's not fair. But I promise you, if we get out of this, um, expect a lot of money. I mean, you've already given me quite, quite a bit Wait, of money. Well, yeah. Is there any way to get around this stupid anti magic shit? <sighs> You're seriously just asking him to. I just want to know if there is, not, not, oh, can you please take this anti-magic off, because that's <laughs> stupid. But, uh, more like, is there anything I can do to circumvent it, because I really want to scare somebody. Um, unfortunately, the only way to get rid of that anti-magic field on you would be to create another anti-magic field to unlock the manacles. Celine, no. I see that look on your face. What? I didn't say anything. I exactly. I am not capable of creating such a field. Well, oh, that's a thing. Sure. Okay. Yeah, that's a thing you can't do. All right. I had no, I didn't say anything. I didn't. I did not. I said nothing. I said nothing. But gods, I want to scale somebody. <laughs> what? <sighs> what? What? Not nothing. Nothing. What? On trial for murder, we don't change. That makes me feel better, actually. Small miracles and all that. Who knows? Maybe we get lucky and this whole thing pays off. I mean, it's pretty damning evidence. I think so, but... I don't know. Were you watching the jurors? When I shifted? I mean, that was... That was a risk, but I'd rather them have the what I actually look like and not some some bullshit that the uh, yeah some the vision of what a monster that the prosecution be. comes up with. But I saw some of their faces, Ernest. We are unique, the three of us. We're each unique in our own ways. 
the process that explains why they knew I was a fae. Um, I might have scared Fenasi to death at one point. Yeah, that might have. That's probably why they figured out how I did that. Well, if the amulet showed that, if the amulet showed him confined or cowering in fear, I don't know how they got a hold of it. Sarah. Where, where, where was? Where was he when you... In custody. In here. In Airpike. In custody in Airpike. He had the amulet on? He didn't have the amulet on. It got taken off and we sent, gave it to Constable Sarah, which she... Off to another constable for evidence. But we ran into someone who knew that Selene scared someone. Scared of Venasi to death. Which means... They've got a leak. Kind of nods. The amulet wouldn't record information unless it's worn. So they might have found out other ways. Either way, cat's out of the bag now. Felicia comes back in. Thirty minutes are up. All right. Trial resumes with Talia. You back up on the stand for cross examination. Right. And Felicia comes up. Mrs. Argenque, you testified that you had, in the past, in your career as a bounty hunter, taken off the heads of those you were to bring in. Correct. What purpose did that serve? Well, it served two very specific purposes. The first one being... Prevention of the undead. It hasn't been a huge problem in this district, as far as I'm aware, but there are always possibilities that some problem may occur where a body might be exposed to uh, the whims of a necromancer or some such, as we have discovered. Removing the head from the corpse is the quickest and most effective way to make sure that they are not risen. And seeing as how my wife's patron deity abhors the undead. And I, and I think at that point is when I pull out my tape measure and wrap it, start wrapping it around my end. We make a special effort to make sure that the undead are kept in check. The second reason is simply for mobility. Majority of bounty hunting is about bringing in the bounty. But when you've got multiple bounties that need to come in, you can't carry that many bodies. And walking through the streets with a cot full of them is not exactly welcomed in polite society. And I look over at Turn. Which I'm sure Mr. Turn would agree and in the cases of the Red Tree Gang and the original job where I was named, the purpose of removing the heads was mostly practical. First job, I didn't have a horse. I was on foot the entire time. I had to walk back with them. It was gross. And they were smelling because it was in the middle of the damn desert. 
But without that, you don't get the bounty. With the Red Tree Gang, while the DMP was nice enough to dispatch one of them for us and save us in the nick of time and be witness to our triumph. Our American. They were, in fact, not willing to help us carry the bodies back. By the way, James, and I like kind of look over to the side where he is, Vilvale's got a bit of an attitude. Anyway, so removing the heads was simply just out of convenience. And if you want more information on that, I would talk to uh, Constable Rockspring. Uh, like, like seek out Sarah, uh, Chief Constable. Again, Vilvale attitude problem. Really, I, really bad attitude problem. They really, had, really bad toods out there. Yeah, they had. We had been on a train that had been robbed by the Red Tree Gang. Mm. In defending it, we killed six. Turns out, I wasn't eligible to collect any of the bounty that was assigned to the Red Tree Gang simply because I didn't have anything identifying them, even though I brought in their guns. Only one of them was eligible, even though I brought in all of the Leroy Brown line of guns, which are cheap shit in my opinion. Mrs. Argent Gray, please contain your answers to the content of the question. Apologies. Anyway, we were told they needed to be brought in for identification. We didn't have any other ways of doing so, so they got cut off their heads. And again, it prevents the undead. So two birds with one stone. It's gross. Thank you for elaborating. You're welcome. Were you in Dusk Down on the alleged night of the murder? No, we were out on the road. But you did kill Walker. I did, yes. Describe the events from your point of view leading up to you killing Jim Walker. And Silas immediately stands up. Objection! On what grounds? We know how he died. She confessed to killing him. Because we are not here to prove if Jim Walker died. We're here to prove he was murdered. It's kind of like this tense silence. Objection overruled, Mr. Turn. Where would you like me to start? Start from returning to Dusktown. With all the kids? Yes. We had just rescued all the children that had been trapped in another realm. I believe this court is familiar with the Feywilds. We had just returned, all of them, including some that didn't survive. But at least we were able to bring back their bodies for identification and for the parents grieving to be put to rest properly. We also made it back with as many 42nd badges as I was able to find. That took a little bit longer and I'm pretty sure we didn't get all of them due to the fact that some of them were underground. Oh, eaten by Spydales. No, we got those. Oh, did we? Yeah, no, it was the ones that got buried underground. Oh, okay, all right, right. I forgot about that. Um, if you could. <laughs> well, we returned the kids, uh, spoke with Walker for a hot minute where he almost killed us. He was not happy that two DMP members had walked into his turf and had basically done the job that all his men hadn't been able to do. Stole your kid. But... Due to the fact that we had a bunch of people watching, 
and we had just returned their kids. He restrained himself. Objection speaks to the victim's state of mind. Sustained deep sighs. But please, Mrs. Argent Gray, keep to the facts. Fine. He looked angry. Better? He doesn't object. We didn't stay in Dustown. Not only did they know who we were, as we had currently been making a pest of ourselves, but we also know DMP won't really welcome in Dustown. So we started moving on. We kept going, heading down to Hanville. We had been doing all sorts of things, so we hadn't heard if their problem had got taken care of. Some kind of a, a creature problem. So we just were going in to check, and it was on our way. It was the second night. I went outside of our camp to try and just to see if anybody was following us because I didn't trust them. And I actually stopped, I listened, I did the whole nine yards of trying to see if there was anybody around and I didn't pick up on anybody. Not one goddamn scent. And while I was out there, someone cast a net on me. It was made of silver. Silver? Being a shifter, silver... Silver hurts. Not as badly if I was a fool, like him, but it still hurts. And I look over and there are five individuals. One of them Walker. And they are armed to the teeth, ready for battle. And they have come to attack me. And probably Celine. She was in the camp at the time, so she didn't see immediately what was going on. A fight ensued. I managed to get Celine's attention. And then we both were able to dispatch each one until finally I was able to kill Walker. And I think I didn't throw up. Barely. Thank you. This is Ajahn Gray. I have no further questions. The prosecution rests, Your Honor. Mrs. Firehawk, you may now present your case. We might get out of this. We just might get out of this. I would like to call to the stand Mr. Tamder Amblehollow. There's a bit of muttering through the crowd. <laughs> and it's a bit of confused look, but he does come up and take the stand again. Mr. Amblehollow, can you confirm that this is Walker's amulet, and she has the bailiff bring forward the, the amulet. Objection! What does this matter? Overruled. Did you just, like, just kind of straight up, just mm -hmm. like... You're done. You, you had your turn, Mr. Turn. <laughs> eh, 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 eh. I just got that. <laughs> I answer the question, and yes, it is. Thank you. No further questions. And Silas just, I have no more questions for this witness. I would like to call to the stand Ernest Felson. Ernest comes up. Mr. Ernest, 
And she still has the amulet. She didn't return to the bailiff. Mm. In your research of the Venasi, did you come across any information about this amulet? Uh, yes, I have. I have come across several documentations of its purpose. The one quite recent discovery was its ability to record the death of the person that was bonded to it. Record the death, in what way? It shows a projection detailing what the individual looked like for up to several hours before they died up till time of death. How's, how's turn work? You look over and turn is just like staring, kind of like gripping the edge of the table. I lean forward to like get his attention. And I nod, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> we got you, bitch. <laughs> You're done. <laughs> With the court's permission, I would like Mr. Ernest to activate the amulet. The court approves. She approaches and hands the amulet over to Ernest. He says the code word, and suddenly flickering in front of the witness stand is the illusion of Jim Walker standing well over six feet tall in his military uniform. As you see here, and he starts flipping through the images, this tracks about eight images throughout the course of what I assume to be 24 hours. We see day wear, night wear, and he flips through to the last two. This was what he was wearing right before he died and slips through the next. This is what he looks like upon death. With, and everybody sees this image and they're just muttering. And Felicia steps up to the illusion. I would like to point out to the jury the silvered sword, the hooks, the ammunition belts, all silver, and every blade covered in blood. I would like to bring forth the other amulets found in the possession of Talia Argent Grey, specifically items D through H, and those are brought forward. And Ernest activates all of them, showing the Vanasi members all geared up and the final images of them all being dressed for hunting in dark leathers with silvered weapons. At this point, turn is just like white. What's brown look like? Brown? Yeah, he's got a pretty solid poker face on. Politician. Yeah. After showing these images, I have no further questions for this witness. And Silas, like, stands up immediately and comes up. Mr. Felson. Ernest. How long have you been studying Venasi literature? Be nice. Um, as I told you before, uh, not incredibly long, uh, but I am an expert. So you have next to no experience in operating these amulets. And Felicia stands up just kind of with a really look on her face. <laughs> 
Objection, Your Honor. He was the one who brought Mr. Ernest up in the first place for his expertise. Now he's trying to refute his own witness's ability to testify? Sustained. <laughs> Mr. Turn, you're badgering your own witness. Sit down. Does Turn look at me when he sits down? Like, as he's coming by? Yeah, he, like, just shoots just, you a look full of poison. We've both got sunglasses on. Yeah, I've got, hey. Hey, Yeah, no, I, 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 like, like lift one of my brows out of, like, and, like, kind of have a very slight smile on my face. Like, <laughs> I would like to call back to the stand, Mrs. Argent Gray, Talia. Go get him, honey. I get up and I head back to the stand. Mrs. Ajahn Gray, would you recount the events that happened on the 19th of Fading 19 years ago? Um, well, I guess I wasn't outside, which uh, wasn't... Well, I won, you see. Uh, I didn't have to do cleanup. Uh, the hunters that had gone out had brought back a couple wild boars, and it, it was always us kids who had to clean up the fire pit afterwards. We all ate dinner together. Um, big fire pit, roasted whatever we needed to eat. And uh, we had responsibilities, and one of them was cleaning up the fire pit, but we always got to, um, we always got to race to see who got out of it. You know, all, all 16 of the kids between, between, you know, five and, and uh, 13 got to race from one end of the village to the next and, uh, me being competitive and uh, a little shit, um, I won. So I was not outside cleaning greasy pig fat off of the fire pit. Village, you say? Not, not a camp? Not? No, it, we didn't, it wasn't a camp. It was, we had structures, houses. We'd been there for years. At least, I don't know, actually. They were old, though. We had been there a while. As long as I can remember, I was born there. My cousin that was in his 30s was born there. And we had houses and structures and a trading goods store for people who came through. We had a hospital. Such as it was, I suppose. It was a community. We did trading with Ilden, but it wasn't much. I mean, furs only go so far. Anyway, uh, I was gloating that I didn't have to do cleanup duty, but the rest of the kids did. And I was in the house begging my pa for uh, the candy that I knew we had. Because when they go into town in Elden, 
there was a general store that had candy. I think it was that saltwater taffy nonsense. And I know he had some on him. So I was badgering him because I was the fastest. So I should get candy. Um, that's when I heard the gunshot. We had guns on the property. Uh, we weren't all shifters or lichens. There were humans, we had dwarves, we had halflings, and not all the lichens were hunters. You know, most, a lot of them were farmers. There was only a few of them that actually went out into the woods and hunted. And the rest of them that went in there were mortals, and they had guns for hunting. So I knew we had some on the property, but we didn't shoot at night. There's no reason. So it was strange to hear a gunshot. You know, first one we thought, oh, somebody accidentally forgot to take a safety off or something. But then there was another one and another one. And I saw my pa's face change. He told me and my ma to stay inside. He was gonna go see what was going on. He was gone for maybe 20 seconds before we started hearing screams. They were mostly of the other kids, just high pitch screams. And then we'd hear a gunshot and one of those screams would stop. And then there were more gunshots and the growling started. I'm guessing some, I'm guessing the pack started shifting to try and deal with whatever was coming. And my ma, she took a look outside the house to see what was going on and she got that same look on her face, that determined look that was so scared, but knew she had to do something. She got one of the guns out of the, the cupboard and, and told me to run. She said, go out the back way and just run. Don't stop for anything. Don't turn back, just run. Your dad and I will come get you when it's over but right now you have to run. And I don't know what I said, I don't remember, but she just yelled at me to run and she loaded the gun and left out the front. And that's when I started smelling smoke and not from the fire pit. This was smoke of massive amounts of wood black smoke, like it was burning up other things, cloth and grass and hair. I remember that hair, that, that smell of burning hair. And I just, I froze, I was terrified. And I kept thinking I had to do something. I had to, I knew how to shoot. I, I had been taught how to shoot. I could just grab the other rifle and I could go help. I could go help, because that's what I was supposed to do. 
my father was the leader of our community and I was going to be the next one or I was going to be in charge of something. I, I could I could get a gun and I could help. And when I decided that's exactly what I was gonna do, the front part of the house, flames started coming up from the outside and licking in on the inside and and I I didn't know what to do. There were still screams and I could hear people pleading and begging, stop, no, please, not my baby, no. And it was just loud and cacophony of so much noise and I didn't know what to do. And by the time I finally gathered my wits, the house was burning down all around me. And all I could think to do was to get out, get out of the house. So I went out the back door and I started running for the center. Maybe I could find my ma or my pa and find out what was going on. And as soon as I rounded the corner, I ran into somebody. And it was just this hard, because I was running full sprint hard right into somebody. We both fell down on opposite ends. I guess I surprised him just as much as he surprised me. I immediately could smell he was not, he was not one of my family. Not one of my cousins or my uncles or my aunts or nothing. He was one of them. And he had dropped something it looked like a gun, and I knew how to shoot guns, and I got a good look at him. He was grabbing his face, but he pulled away to try to get a good look at what he had ran into, and he was this massive man, completely hairless, and there were claw marks across his face. And I was so scared. I just grabbed the gun and I tried to pull the trigger, but it was covered in, in blood and bits that I knew were parts and it wouldn't fire. And I noticed he was he was starting to regain his wits and there were two people behind him that were coming to his aid. And I took one look at their faces and I just knew there was only thing I could do was run. So I took the gun and just, I ran. And I didn't stop until I couldn't run anymore. And I was deep in the woods. And my parents, They never came. She gives you a moment to kind of recover after recounting. I just kind of like look it up at her after a minute and just kind of nod. Were you able to eventually identify the three individuals that came into your home? Yes. And what were their names? Constance Melody, 
Leroy Brown, and Jim Walker. Tell me about Constance Melody. Constance Melody? Constance Melody was down in Crankshaft not too long ago. She and multiple other members of the 42nd were down there claiming to be protecting the town from orc raids. Claiming, you say? Yes. During the investigation down there, we found multiple individuals that were members of the 42nd were dressing up as orcs to frighten the people of Crankshaft in order well, I can't really say with any certainty what ex- specifically what their intent was, but they were murdering people from Crankshaft when we took care of the ones out in the wilderness doing it and came back to confront the 42nd about it. They opened fire and then holed themselves up in one of the smaller inns. And me as well as my partner and multiple other members of the, the DMP, including Captain James Wilde, entered the building. After doing so, a firefight ensued. Me and the other DMP members, including the sheriff, which I believe is in the courtroom today, and a few of his very capable deputies, were able to slowly take care of each member of the 42nd including Constance Melody. Who pulled the trigger on Constance Melody? I did. She wasn't going down without a fight. And once I did catch up to her, she tried to put a bullet in her mouth, to which I stopped her and did it for her. You made the distinction earlier between revenge and justice. Would you elaborate on that? When I was a kid growing up, we didn't really see a lot of people outside of my community. Some of the older kids got to go into Ilden, which we were always jealous of because of the general store that had candy, but for the most part, we kept to ourselves. We knew who we were. We knew what we were, and we knew how people would react to it. My father always told me, If you're ever outside, don't ever show them, because they won't understand. They'll see your gifts and call you an animal. But you have to remember that you're not. No matter what they say, no matter what they call you, Who you are defines what you are, not what you were born as. Just always remember to be you. When all of them went away, that's all I was left with. And I am not a criminal. I I'm a bounty hunter since I was 16. Very recently, I was accepted as a member of the DMP along with my wife. I'm not a murderer. 
I do not steal. And I do not attack innocence. And I knew that if I was ever going to get any kind of closure from all of this, I would need justice. And justice means making sure they pay through the law. Through the law. Constance Melody had been declared a criminal by the city of Crankshaft when you killed her, was she not? She was. And according to your testimony, you killed Jim Walker in self-defense. I did. How many times had you encountered Walker before the night of his death? Three. Four, if you count. How many times would you have had the opportunity to take revenge? Every single time. Including when he shot a gun straight up into the air and crankshaft in the middle of a huge crab looking at a trial. In fact, I did shoot at him. I shot his hand. But we were there under official DMP business. And we were there to protect people with crankshaft. So when I see somebody drawing a gun, I did what came natural, which was to protect and disarm. Not to aim for a kill shot. No. It would have been easily defensible. Strange man raising a loaded firearm in the middle of a crowd. Objection, speculation, withdrawn. No further questions, Mrs. Ajon Gray. During this last bit, Celine, you notice that Turn has been like kind of moving stuff around over by his station and you see him like open a case, take something out of it and like kind of do something with his jacket. Ah. <laughs> you poor thing. <laughs> this really sucks. I, I see that and then I look over at Talia. When he stands up, his grease back hair is like part of it's kind of like fall into the side a little bit. <laughs> and <laughs> his his uh, suit coat is uh, unbuttoned and it's kind of just like hanging loosely. And he just stands up and puts his hair back, just like straightens it composes himself and comes up to the stand. Wisdom check, would it be to figure out what he did? Uh, I would have said perception. Perception? So it's 16. 16. Because I have two perception. Or is it four? You have four. So, oh, so that's 18. 18. Cool. Yay. I'm be- I perceive better. Slay the fan check wasn't that great. Celine, you see him slip a Derringer pistol into his coat. Like, I look almost panicked at you. I give you a look. It's like, it's okay. He comes up. And I shake my head like, no, this is bad. Is Felicia back here? Yeah, she comes back and sits down. You need to get these cuffs off of me, Felicia. I can't, Celine. We've gone over this. Do you can't or you won't? I can't. You don't have the... 
key? No, why, why would they give the def- why would they give the defense attorney a key? Need to find a way to get this off me. Why? Because if Silas Town takes that old out pistol he just put into his jacket and shoots Talia in the heads, and I cannot revive her if I cannot use magic. She like looks up sharply, but and kind of like half phrases from her chair, but Silas is in the in the middle of his cross. Mrs. Arjun Gray, how convenient for you that Constance Melody was a part of the group declared criminal. Just how convenient that killing her fell in with your code of justice. It's not that fucking convenient, Counselor, when you realize how many people she murdered in Crankshaft. I didn't know the Venasi had decided that humans, gnomes, and dwarves also fell under the not part of the natural order. How convenient also that Walker attacked you, and he puts that in quotes, mm-hmm. so that you could defend yourself. Two of the three people that ruined your life, according to you, are dead. Just how convenient. Firehawk, you have to do something. Again, not pretty fucking convenient, considering I didn't know they were there in the first place. It'd be convenient if they just turned themselves in. He storms up, like, directly to the bench and, like, leans over both of his hands on on the stand and leans over, his jacket kind of falling open. I stand up. And how convenient that the third member is right here in this courtroom, right in front of you. And you see from inside his coat in a shoulder holster pistol. It's not secured. It's just a quick grab. And I look down at the gun. Back up a turn. And I kind of lean in a little bit. Mine's bigger. Let the record show that uh, Mr. Turn didn't wash his hands from coming back from the restroom. That's how disease gets spread, counselor. <laughs> Shoves away from the stand. And still standing up. I, I give you a look and I, I'm like, it's okay. Answer the question, please. I'm sorry your odor was a little overpowering. What was the question? <laughs> It seems all very convenient. A little too convenient. That idiots keep messing up? Definitely working in my favor. (laughs) It's convenient that they finally decided to show themselves. I actually didn't know their names until recently, until this bozo decided to stop putting posters all over the goddamn district. I knew exactly who he was. Constance Melody was a little bit harder to find. So was Jim Walker, but the dominoes fell into place. And yeah, it was a little fucking convenient that they decided they wanted to be criminals. And it was even more convenient, Mr. Turn, that you decided to put Leroy Brown, one of the men that came into my community, murdered everybody, including the children and infants, that you decided to put this idiot up on the stand. And then asked him, in front of how many people, including some reporters, which I see back there, 
if he did, in fact, come into my community and murder everyone. And Talia gets this look on her face as if what she just said finally dawns on her. And Celine sits down. <laughs> he... He admitted it. <laughs> she looks directly at Leeward Brown. You... You sat right here. And admitted it. Nineteen years. Nineteen years. And you admitted it. Selene. He, he admitted it. He did. Nineteen years. I'm the last one. They killed everyone and they admitted it. They admitted it. May we take a ten-minute recess? <laughs> Granted. We will reconvene in ten minutes. Thank you so much for supporting Let's Be Legendary podcast. If you're enjoying our story, please take a moment to rate and review on iTunes. You'd be surprised how much this helps others to find us. For news and extra content, visit our website at letsbelegendarypodcast.com or follow us on Facebook at Let's Be Legendary and Twitter at Let's Be Legend Pod. We also spend a lot of time in our Discord server, so please feel free to stop in and say hello. Links are in the description and on our website. For more content from our crew, consider supporting us on Patreon. You'll get episodes two days before the general public, exclusive sneak peeks of new art, DMs and players' notes on characters, and access to Bonus Round, a limited, exclusive series run by our patrons. Talia Gray is played by Chris Sass Council, Celine Argent is played by Megzi Sass Council, and our Dungeon Master is Molly Hexcroft. Our producer and editor is Molly Hexcroft, pronouns she, her. Our producer and manager is Jess Richards, pronouns they, them. Our producer, art director, and assistant mixer is Megzi Sass Council, pronouns she, her. Our producer, director, editor, and mixer is Chris Sass Council, pronouns they, them. Credits for music and sound effects are in the description below. Celine's tarot deck is the Marigold deck by Amrit S. Brar, and the tarot guide used in-game can be found at biddytarot.com. Thanks again for listening, and stay legendary.